Ghosts are horny. Ookie. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. I'm Ripley. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Okay. All right, y'all. Dilemma. An mm-hmm. either or for you. Which is scarier or more difficult to deal with, but mostly scarier? Having a person living inside your walls that you find out about or finding out that your house is haunted? Okay, I'll go first because this is a very easy one for me. Obviously, a person living in your walls is so much more fucking horrifying. Because <laughs> for one, like, okay, I, I understand why it would be scarier for some people to have a ghost because you don't know what a ghost can do. Like, ghosts True. themselves have so many rules and so many, like, un- like, so many rules that you don't know about. Like, you don't know how a ghost is going to attack you, where it's going to come from. But we do know the rules of humans. We do know how humans work. Right. And also, like, a a person living in your wall is just unbelievable enough. That would be really hard to get someone on your side to believe you. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, any story I've read, like, real story about this happening has been, like, really horrifying. Um, Like, I read a story about how, it's not necessarily, like, living in the walls, but um, a uh, woman rented an apartment to a girl who was dating her now boyfriend. And then at night, she was sneaking into the girl's apartment to, like, plan to, like, murder her. Jeez. Oh, my God. And, like, she would, like, hide in, like, her house and stuff when she was there to, like, spy on her. And just, like, the thought of, like, someone just being in my house without me knowing is so eerie. Um, But a ghost, like, I don't know. There's ways to deal with a ghost. I don't know. Does any of this make sense? I'm just kind of rambling. Yeah. No. I hear you. I I so hear you. What do you think, Ripley? Well, I mean, yes, it would be scarier to have a person living in your walls. And like you said, we don't know the rules of ghosts because unlike the supernatural universe, uh, this place that we're living in doesn't necessarily have, you know, nice rules that we can follow. I think it would honestly be... Gosh, yeah, it would be scarier to have a person. I was trying to make a, a case for it, but yeah, no. If you yeah, if yeah. you told someone that you thought somebody was in the walls versus if you told somebody you thought there was a ghost, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> they would definitely believe you about a ghost before they believed you about a person. And that's so crazy too, right? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like... like you're so right about that. Like if I, like literally the, just the other day, I told someone about like a weird ghost experience I had in my apartment and they were like, yeah, totes. But if I was like, yeah, a person came out of the crawl space and breathed at me, they'd be like, <laughs> are you sure it wasn't sleep paralysis? Right. <laughs> you know? They might even be like, do you think your house is haunted? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, so... All three of us, 100%, three for three, I think a person would be scarier. I know the rules of people, and people are freaky. Okay, 
Today's episode is Season 4, Episode 11, Family Remains, the one that's Season 1, Episode 15, The Benders. This episode was written by Jeremy Carver, directed by Phil Segrecia, and originally aired on January 15th, 2009. I'm not gonna lie, y'all. This one's a doozy. All the listeners out there already know this is not my type of episode. You were so right that it was just gonna be like some stupid ghost hunt though. Like at the end of the last episode you were like, all of this crazy awesome stuff happened. That means next time it's gonna be a ghost. It's not even a ghost. It's not even a ghost though. <laughs> yeah, it was so much worse. So much worse than I could have imagined. <laughs> I feel like this episode has the potential to be interesting but it just never gets there yeah yeah like even the cold open is kind of fun like they have the campy blood splatter on the on the Mm -hmm. home sweet home cross stitch or whatever love a a good blood splatter yeah i also just the whole overarching message of like does the way you were like treated make it okay like your actions okay like is it make you forgivable or redeemable i think they could have made that so much more interesting than they did in this episode as well right well and i think part of that is because um like the family that they're interacting with and that takes up a bulk of the episode really doesn't interface with that kind of thematic content at all yeah they're just there yeah (laughs) Uh, could you imagine if in this episode like the family had done something awful like maybe the husband and wife were fighting and driving and that's what got their oldest son killed and dean had to help them cope with that grief and be like just because you did something wrong or something bad doesn't mean like your life isn't worth living or something like that it would have made so much more narrative sense to me right even that simple of a thing because like the first time i saw this episode because, like, you know, there is the whole B-plot of their oldest kid having died or whatever. But they don't really, like, talk about it so much. And in the beginning, they're just like, oh, we needed a fresh start. And because it's this show, I was like, they done murdered somebody. Like, right? <laughs> like, that's really what I thought. And then they were just like, oh, yeah, my son died in a car crash. Which, like, obviously that's tragic and, you know. But it's just within the context of everything going on in the episode, just like why yeah yeah it's um it felt like an episode of like paranormal nightmare featuring (laughs) the winchesters once in a while (laughs) yeah totally i kind of forgot i was watching a supernatural episode i'm not even gonna lie i was thinking about it like like, i've watched these shows before and i was just like oh my gosh oh there's sam and dean oh right (laughs) right right totally yeah it's an episode that had a lot of potential and i think they tried in definitely they definitely tried because i feel like like the benders that's an episode that felt like they didn't even try yeah. <laughs> yeah but like this one like you can tell it's a response to that like they have moments that recall that episode like dean being like humans i'm telling you you know that was something yeah. that they started in the benders and then um, the uncle, whose name was, was it Tom or Tim or Todd or something? I don't fucking know. Ted. But he, Ted. He, Ted, Ted. Ted. I knew it was something like that. He says something about like deliverance, like waiting for her to go deliverance on my ass or whatever. And I'm like, oh, cannibal hillbillies, because this is a response mm. to the cannibal hillbilly episode. 
which everyone knows I find offensive. <laughs> so <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just like, good grief watching this. Just stop it. But like, like at least the Benders was like really off the wall, like bonkers bananas the whole time where you could be like, what the fuck even is this episode? And this one, I was yeah. just like, bored yeah Yeah. also i'll talk about it now um if we think it's appropriate just because it's like a one-off statement this show brings up and talks about incest way too much uh yeah yeah like i just like kripke what is your fucking damage i hope it's not incest seriously (laughs) like not to not to like joke around about it but i'm like what kind of edgy motherfucker do you think you are like i don't know i guess maybe because it's like the the humans are the monsters obviously that is the theme here you know um the being trapped in the house and a you know product of incest and everything it just it's like the it's the nightmare next door that nobody really knows about. It's like you know when people find out that their neighbor was a serial killer and they never knew. Oh, he was such a sweet guy, you know. Right. It kind of has that tone to it almost, so it kind of fits the vibe of the urban legend thing that they're still going for in the earlier seasons because that's the American mythos. But yeah, they just don't do it quite well. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing with that though is that like incest abuse is real it is not an urban legend and it happens right a lot more than people think and i think the flippant way they're sort of like oh just some backwoods hillbilly bitch and they're just like you know like not exactly taking it very seriously when it truly is like a serious um issue that you know people who look totally normal and act totally normally like out in the world have suffered from and do inflict on other people. Um, You know, making it out like it's this like, oh, just crazy poor people in the hills like Mm -hmm. do that is extremely unhelpful to survivors of that kind of sexual violence. Because now we're, like, creating a specific type of victim in our head, too, when yeah. the type of victims reach every socioeconomic class, every, exactly you know, no matter where you're from, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, regardless of, of your um, income or locale, like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I just, you know, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, kind of the same way um, the it did in the Benders with the implications about the young daughter being like a child of incest i think the only interesting and i say like take the word interesting here with an enormous grain of salt because truly it's fucked up but we i mean we're watching this show so obviously we enjoy fucked up content the only interesting thing that i think comes out of any of this narrative is like through the paralleling of characters and the mirroring of stories this not explicitly stated idea that part of the hell torment that dean went through was rape or sexual assault it just gives us some more context of like what that whole experience was like um without really bringing it up too directly and i i think literally that's the only um (laughs) that's the only interesting thing to come out of this whole 
incest debacle in this episode. That was actually my main bullet point um, that I was going to bring up to kind of piggyback off of that Mm -hmm. with the deliverance joke, because I thought, we, you know, we all know deliverance, but I thought the delivery of, wow, the delivery of deliverance, hello, the delivery of that line was specific, was very interesting because not only was the, you know, the, the uncle talking to Dean about this, he's talking about a female doing that to him. And in the right. movie, I believe it's all guys. So I thought that was a very interesting twist there. And it almost felt like, like, that's what Dean was like before he went to hell. Like, oh, I can deal with this. I'm a macho man, you know, and then he's kind of listening to it, like, after being broken in hell. Right. Actually, that's an aspect of it that I hadn't considered because I'm watching this episode and I can't even remember this jabroni's name, although now I know that it is Ted. (laughs) Thank you, Jordan. Right. right. Um, (laughs) So I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, what is the point of this character? But I, yeah, you're right. There is something about his very... puffed up masculinity that he's trying to project that does recall Dean in season one. Yeah. And that, that, yeah, that's something I hadn't considered. Well, damn. I that. <laughs> and then he does get caught. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, man, this is, there's not much happening other than that. Like I said, it's, 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 they're following the family for most of the episode. Okay, so, Sam felt really weird in this episode to me. Did he feel like that to anybody else? Yeah, he was yeah. he was like okay. off. I yeah. I, even when I was writing oh my. like my summary um for this mm-hmm. episode, I <laughs> I put in a, a line. What did I write? Sam is surprisingly unsympathetic. Yeah, I am. I am baffled. And and when you know, Dean's like, did you find anything? And he's like, oh, yeah, up in the attic. I found the, you know, the person's diary. And they, like, he's just completely, like, nah, I didn't even, it wasn't even worth bringing up. And he brings it up later and it becomes a plot point. But, like, right. But it, it seems like he's almost reading it just because he's bored. Exactly. It he's like, well, we're weird. stuck in this shed, so, which is, like, very counter to his character. I feel like normally he'd be like, oh, a diary. <laughs> this is going to yeah. be helpful. And also, I feel like anyone who's played a video game ever is watching this like, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I'm just, do you have any ideas, either of you, about like what maybe could have caused that disconnect besides like bad writing or bad acting? I think maybe they wanted us to focus more on Dean this episode. That's really the Mm -hmm. only thing I can think of. Yeah, they do like often the negative traits of one brother are like highlighted and exaggerated in the episodes that are intended to focus on the other one. Oh, I never noticed that. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, like we talked a lot in seasons 1 and 2 about when it's a Sam episode which is still few and far between, frankly, for a main character. When it's a Sam episode, Dean tends to be very like gross and misogynistic and eating a lot and just saying dumb shit and (laughs) but um when it's a dean episode sam is very like terse and he can be kind of callous and take risks that don't seem worth it and and things like that so i actually kind of wonder because we're focusing so much on dean's hell trauma right now if um, Sam's, is he the same storyline going to take? Or did he come back different storyline is going to take a seat for a backseat for a while? 
Because I do think now that we're like, the bad guys are human, mm -hmm. it would have been a kind of a little bit more interesting to me to explain like how Sam can have kind of like barbaric outbursts and make more rash decisions now that he used to not do that doesn't take others into consideration as much. Oh, you mean since Dean had died? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's something to consider. That's certainly the impression I think we're supposed to have. You know, even uh, some of his attitudes in the beginning of this episode, which I apologize, I am going to bring up bugs now, but <laughs> they're sitting in the car having come back from talking with the housekeeper, who for the first time was not a woman of color. Good job, Jeremy Carver. Woo! And they're like noticing that the family moved in anyway. And they're like, oh, what are we going to do? And Sam's like, oh, we could tell them the truth. And Dean's like, really? Like, you think we should? And he's like, no, not really. <laughs> and, but like, you know, I, I think that moment, while it's so little, really points to Sam's long-term outlook and attitude towards other people. Because in season one, in Bugs, in a very similar situation, Dean is urging Sam to lie. And Sam's like, People are reasonable. We should just talk to them. It's not good to be dishonest. All this stuff. So that that was an interesting little blip for me. Yeah. Okay. And that um, to bring it back a little more recently, um, Metamorphosis. They go talk to the Rougarou Jack to and tell him, you know, what's going on with him, so that he can make the decision about what he's going to do if he's, you know, about to change or not. And Sam was the one who was advocating for that. So to see it. Not that many episodes later, be very flippant about these people's lives. Yeah, it's a little... Yeah, it's little jarring. I, I think, though, the big difference is that, like, even in, in season one, the, the son that he, like, sort of bonds with, um, and then in Metamorphosis, he sees himself in these people. Yes. Like, obviously, he saw himself in Jack, the Rougarou, I say, mm -hmm. with chagrin. Yeah. And I don't think he really cares to relate to these people and their house and their, you know, family togetherness yeah. and whatever. Like, he's a lot more closed off, I think, unless, like, he sort of sees one person as being very similar to him. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, those, those things, I think, still feel in character enough. It's, but really what makes me, like, wonder what's going on is when they're talking about Rebecca's daughter, the girl in the walls, and he's like, she's barely human, like... I'm sure his, her life was hell, but that doesn't mean she gets a free pass on a murder spree. And he's just like, you know, scoff about the whole thing. Yeah, it was very odd. Yeah, it just, it doesn't feel like our, like, sensitive, caring Sam. Like, <laughs> I'm like, who are yeah. you? <laughs> Unless this is like, you know, them showing us like the cracks in what's going on between them because like Dean's pushing them so hard. That's true. So like to hunt. It could just be like, this is them kind of at the end of their rope. Still trying to save people but you know they're not they're tired they're yeah exactly they're we're out that's a good point yeah and i think also sam and and maybe less so in the beginning of the series definitely more so as the series goes on tends to be the more pragmatic one 
And, like, I understand being, like, although it's horrible, I understand being, like, oh, well, maybe it's just easier for us to kill this girl and just scoop. Mm -hmm. They don't want to interact with the police, which is what they would have to do to be, like, hey, there's some crazy chick living in this house. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to ponder there. On a lighter note, (laughs) this episode is definitely sort of like a Benny Hill music kind of episode to me. Yeah. (laughs) They're just like running back and forth so much. They're like, okay, everybody outside the house, everybody inside the house, everybody outside the house, everybody in the shed. Like, I'm like, oh my God. Like the Scooby-Doo-ness of it, except like there's no joy. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny to me, too, I guess because they didn't know it wasn't a ghost, but there was a few moments where they're like, let's leave, I'm getting my family out of here, and they're like, no, stay, you're being haunted. I'm like, if they got in that car and left, they would have been okay. (laughs) Right. I mean, to be fair, their tires were slashed, but I feel like warping your wheels is worth your life. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, again, bro, like, call the cops. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the one situation I'm like, maybe you should call the police. Yeah. Tell them to bring all of the firepower. <laughs> it's, it's just such a weird case. Like they, right. the, like Sam and Dean are just making really odd calls and they're not thinking straight and just, yeah, like you said, running in and out and in and out. Fucking goobers. Right? <laughs> the thing that gets me too is like the inconsistency in the monster quotation marks. Yeah. Obviously it's so weird because we're supposed to believe this is a feral person who was yeah. a feral child who was never allowed to leave a secret enclave in the bottom of the foundation of this house, but yet knows how to write, knows how to slash tires, like obviously mm-hmm. has strategic reasoning. I'm like, this is a girl who has some sort of education. I don't know. It's not a good narrative. It does not make sense. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Totally. And then, like, there is something interesting in the concept of the human monster. I, like, I do find that very compelling. But the way they use it here is just so, like, wavering and wishy-washy. Like, it doesn't seem to know what it is saying about the human monster or what creates a monster or anything like because you know sam and dean aren't really clear on that either like but then also like gibson the dad or grandfather was a monster but like the girl is barely human and like dean is a monster and like i'm just like jesus christ like Normally when the word monster comes up in a context outside of monsters literally, I'm like all about that shit. But this time I'm like, pump the brakes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Especially because we've already seen it outside of like obviously really poor racial sensitivity with gordon sure the descent from you know obsession into literally becoming the thing you hunt right. is so much more compelling to me than whatever this whatever was. this is yeah whatever is <laughs> going on here <laughs> mm. <laughs> i just like i know i've brought this up before and i'm you know it's good that there's a lot of episodes to this show because it gives you a lot of content to pick apart, especially when it comes to, like, um, queer coding and things like that. Yeah. But, God, if they could have taken some of these seasons and just, like, really made a solid 14 episodes. Like, you know, uh, I'm, I love the 22-episode format. I'm not going to lie. I just think, like, seasons one and two needed to be one season. I, lo- I love those seasons. Don't get me wrong. I've And I've talked about this before. I am not someone 
who turns their nose up at Monster of the Week. I feel like if you're like trying to engage in a discourse with anyone online about this, that's the first thing they say when you're like, I don't care for season one and two. They're like, oh, you just don't like Monster of the Week. No, bitch. I, when I rewatch Buffy, I rewatch every single episode of season one in order, okay? That shit is no skip. I love Monster of the Week. It's just some of these ideas they're trying to present us with are so much better, so much more efficiently and adeptly presented to us in ways that have real charisma in episodes that are not focusing specifically on this idea of the human monster. Like, I don't know. There's just, like, I know they can do it. I hate when I bump into an episode like this. I'm like, Jeremy Carver, I know you're better than this. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was a big rant. And I guess it's not even (laughs) that relevant because, like, this is season four. But I guess I'm just, like, I'm still so, like, about it because this feels like it was plucked from season two or three. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to roll back. I want to keep, you know, these solid, self-contained episodes. Like, you can have Monster of the Week and have it be cool. I don't know. I um, will say one thing this episode that I did like. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I do like my urban legends. Uh, That's why I know we had very different opinions on the Hookman episode. Yeah. Uh, But I do like that the hand licking where Kate's hand got licked by the monster. Oh, that was so gross. (laughs) It was so nasty. That's an old urban legend, the licked hand. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a lot of fun to like kind of throw. And I wish they would like have more ode to that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, you know, and I think actually there is a lot to be said for the way this episode uses, you know, that kind of urban legend and like other ghost story and haunting tropes. Like, you know, there's the weird doll and, like, go written on the wall and the girl in the window. She gets her hand licked. The ball rolls out of the closet. The bad smells. You know, the housekeeper talks right. about rustling in the walls. Like, and, like, all of those things are fun. It's just, I don't know, somehow when incorporated into this episode, just, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, if they really wanted to go with this trope, I kind of wish they would have made the family smaller. Yeah. For one. Like, we probably could have just had a mother and the daughter. Yeah. We could have had more suspense leading up to the boys actually coming into the house. They could have really, really made it feel like a ghost episode, had more messages, and then really ended with a stronger note with the reveal. Especially, I don't know, the reveal of there being a brother, too, at the end. Oh, felt yeah. very much like a soap opera, evil twin type of thing. I did not like that. I didn't like it either. Yeah. Like, at what point are we supposed to, like, have assumed that there was a second one? I kind of thought that, well, I mean, like, I've seen this before, but I kind of forgot that happened. <laughs> but, like, with, with all the tire slashing and the dog getting killed and the writing on the wall, I was like, okay, this is a lot happening in a very quick span of time. You know what? When you go, she just I like, she has a lot oh. of pent-up energy. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, this girl who does not see sunlight but has easy access to getting in and out of the house, that's a little weird. Like, this bitch would spend a lot of time in the woods, I'm sure. Right. She th- does nothing but eat raccoon meat. Like, why is she so physically strong? Right, she should be pretty frail. Like, they literally, Sam and Dean, she should have come into the salt circle and they'd be like, oh, it's not a ghost. Soccer lights out. Done. Right. Yeah, and Dean even was holding, like, that iron poker from the fireplace. Literally just hit her in the head. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I just love the fact that they used all of the ghost tropes so heavily that it kind of had to not be a ghost. Because right. Because they leaned into it so damn hard. <laughs> like, it's, like, too obvious. Speaking of tropes, would we constitute what she was wearing as a white dress? Okay, I thought about that too. And yes, is what I've decided. Okay. But I think in this case, it's one of those rare instances where it's on purpose because they're trying to do a thing. The thing being in this case that she isn't actually a ghost. You know what I mean? Sort of like when Lilith was wearing white. They're doing a thing. I, do I like it? No. <laughs> do I understand that it's purposeful? Yes. When Dean goes down into the, I guess he calls it her kitchen, and obviously, you know, the dog, unfortunately, did not make it. Right. Um, I kind of thought that might have been a shout out to the original Halloween movie, which mm. I haven't seen. But there's a part where it's inferred by Dr. Loomis that Michael Myers ate a dog. So, yeah, I mean, that would make sense you know, that, that it was a yeah, reference. Yeah. I, I mean, like, damn, if they ate that dog right then, they really went to town real fast. Right, exactly. Just the timeline makes no sense. <laughs> Although if, they're, if they were spending all their time running back and forth, they probably had plenty of time to, you know, eat the dog, slash the tires. <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, yeah, there was two of them after all. Exactly. You know, the the family dynamic in this in this episode was still kind of baffling to me by the end of it. Like, I was still kind of yeah. unsure about who was who. Like, I knew that, like, the guy was the uncle, obviously, but I was kind of convinced it was, like, a stepdad-mom situation, original yeah. kids with the first father. That's why they're kind of weird to him. I, it, I thought that would make a little bit more sense than just, oh, our kid died. But I thought the mom's reaction to her kid getting taken was so weird. Like, she's just like, oh, he's dead. I would not, I can't think of a single mom who would not be tearing things up trying to get their kid out of that house. Yeah, no, especially given the fact that her other son had recently died. Died, yeah. I, I, all I can say to that is that grief is weird, and people true. have That's very true. weird responses to trauma. That's true. So, but yeah, I too was like, you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Right. <laughs> I still am a little bit like, what the fuck about the presence of the uncle? The only thing that I kind of got out of it is that they were supposed that it could have been like a mirror to like what Sam and Dean could have had as a relationship, a family unit, if they had not been raised as hunters. Like I could have seen Dean maybe tagging along with like Sam's family if something had happened. Gotcha. I could like see something like that. And then it would kind of make sense for the, when the uncle talks later about, oh, I'm not going to let her go deliverance. You know, Dean is like, this is what I would have been. This is who I was until recently. That was the only okay. thing that kind of made it interesting for me to see it that way. But, uh, you know, shaker assault. The entire shaker. The entire <laughs> yeah. shaker. Oh, the salt. So much salt. Oh, I actually did a bit of research for once. Oh my so. gosh. I would love to hear what you researched, Jordan. I just was really curious because um, I haven't watched X-Files in a very long time. Mm -hmm. But um, this episode really reminded me of an X-Files episode. Yeah. That I like vaguely remember. I will say the X-Files episode 
was kind of offensive. Uh, it was called Home. Uh-huh. And um, it was a bunch of kids, like, discovered a body on a baseball field that looked alien. Uh-huh. You later find on the episode that it was not an alien, but a child who was the victim of continuous generations of incestuous breeding from a family who lives in a farmhouse, who um, all now look like sloth from the Goonies, very, like, <laughs> the hills have eyes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So it was pretty much just prying on that fear of Appalachian people. And, of course, very similar, someone moves into the neighborhood and ends up getting murdered by these people. So Scully and Mulder have to go in and try and save this woman who I don't think they're successful. I don't remember. But here was the interesting part. Um, <laughs> the episode that I've, of the X-Files that was very similar to this one was actually directed by Kim Manners. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I kind of wonder if they purposefully were trying to reference that episode. So... Oh, no, I just thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Good. Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense. Like, uh, we've talked before, like, people who write and direct in in these episodes, lots of the times, they're just involved in that kind of genre work um, overall. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's tons of crossing over between, like, these shows. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. part of the reason why you can see all of these references. So they're, like, deeply involved in genre work and deeply appreciate it. Um, so that wouldn't surprise me at all if they were trying to call back to it. I'm going to be honest, though. I really thought you were going to bring up the Jersey Devil episode of X-Files because that's yes. the one that I kept thinking of. <laughs> and that's the one that I absolutely hate. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it, to be honest. Uh, I don't think it has anything no. to do with Jersey Devils, but I it think it's an not. interesting episode. That's why I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's from, like, the really early season, right? Yeah. I think that might be, like, three. Or it's very early. It is early, yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty long series. Um, Obviously not as long as Supernatural. No. And there was a giant gap in the wall. And then they came back fairly recently, like, a few years ago. They had a few episodes. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I felt about the follow-up seasons. I I watched the first follow-up season and wasn't super into it, so didn't keep up with it, but... I like the episode with the lizard man. Other than that, no. You know, we do love a good lizard man. <laughs> we love a good uh, lizard man. But yeah, thank you for bringing up the Jersey Devil because that's a uh, that was the one episode in when I was trying to because this X Files should be something I like, but I do not like it, and <laughs> for various reasons. But that episode is was like the nail in the coffin. I was like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> really? <laughs> It's a cool concept, but why the Jersey Devil? It makes no damn sense. But, right. You know, so no, I, I, I kind of gave up at that point. And Jordan, you mentioned it being like an offensive episode, and it, that makes me chuckle because, like, the X Files is so offensive. Like, yeah. so uh. many of those episodes are deeply, deeply racist. I'm just like, what in the fuck? Half the time I'm watching that show. Like, do I love it? Yes. Do I have to skip certain episodes so that I don't tear my hair out in anger? Also, yes. <laughs> Some of them are not timeless classics. No, truly they are not. Still one of the best pilots of a series I've ever seen, though. So good. So oh, good. Anyway, back to Supernatural. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I appreciated, even though it's not something that's super, it's not something that's spelled out. So that's probably why I like it a little bit more. But I couldn't help but think about um, when Dean is descending into the basement through the dumbwaiter. And 
I couldn't I couldn't help likening that to his descent to hell. Yep. Especially because he's like, you know, it's like in the basement or in the foundation or whatever. They constantly refer to hell as downstairs or the basement mm-hmm. in the show. And, um, you know, sending him down there forces him to reconnect with trauma. And he like trying to undo that trauma by saving someone who is, you know, who could be tortured. Um, yeah. Also, I just love that he like gets all the way down the dumbwaiter and then uh, immediately finds the there's like the light on the big wooden cross on the floor. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I had that same thought when he goes into the area with all of the you know the dead animals. And yeah, then, that was my oh he's in hell and he's dealing with his hell trauma and that's probably. I could use that as an excuse for why, like, the guy, he, you know, wasn't paying attention to the uncle, so the uncle ended up getting killed was because Dean was, you know, reliving his trauma, right. as one does. As one does. <laughs> but yeah, that's that was also my take on it, too, because I was like, they're, they're really focusing heavily on, like, the gore of this episode, and I'm like, ah, okay, so... This is Dean's mind that we're seeing a little bit into. Right, right. It's like the gore and also this the sexual trauma. That and that's like the whole point of the episode. I have to say it's astounding to me that that family decided to stay there. No shit. They're like, we're not okay, but we're together. And they like hold hands and they look at the house wistfully and I'm like Y'all are gonna, they're gonna stay? <laughs> what the I would have burned that bitch down and used the insurance money to go move somewhere else. Exactly. Especially because, <laughs> like, don't the walls literally reek of dead animals? No kidding. They, they, like, made a point to reference that. They're crazy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Humans, man. Humans. Humans. <laughs> what are you gonna do? We realized we were the real monsters all along. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this outro. Um, there's a lot of these little Dean being like, well, we've dealt with the spook of the day, and now I'm going to unload on Sam a little bit. There's a lot of these in season four. How did we feel about this one? Um, not quite as impactful as the, as the first one, I have to say. Like, it's still heart-wrenching to imagine Dean going through these things. Not quite the tearjerker that the one that, you know, the man tear was. Oh, yeah. He is such a pretty <laughs> crier. It's just not fair. That little shit. Damn, Damn that man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, I don't know. Sam was just kind of there. He didn't really respond very much to it. I was really surprised. I think he was supposed to be shocked. Like, he didn't know what to yeah. say. So we already know that he had been forced into torturing. But here's where we find out that he enjoyed it. Yeah. And part of me is like, oh, I find this kind of interesting in like Dean's personal narrative and his narrative with Hal, especially because now we really see where that guilt is coming from. Yeah. But I'm also a little bit like, oh, no, here we go. Now we're going to have like an episode about like people doing something for their own gain and hurting other people. And if it's okay. And I'm like, ugh. (laughs) Please do it interesting, supernatural. Make it fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you, I feel you. 
I think um, what makes this interesting for me, even though I don't think it's nearly as emotionally impactful as the previous episode, is that we, we sort of go through the episode likening Dean to the victims of abuse in the case itself, you know, because you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to be like, okay, like where are our main characters reflected in these sort of side characters and this ongoing mystery slash conflict? Right. But here he's like no I'm not the victim I am the perpetrator because of the fact that I did it because I liked to do it and I think that's what makes it interesting is the way it recontextualizes how you see Dean reacting to things throughout the episode Mm -hmm. granted I don't think this is an episode that's really worth a rewatch so there's very little payoff there in terms of like oh I'll go back to this and then it'll be like you know there's this new dimension I hadn't considered (laughs) but yeah and I will say additionally like the idea of inflicting pain or having angry outbursts or things like that in order to set aside your own trauma and emotional pain is like a real human thing and it does feel very in keeping with the themes of the episode being that humanity is monstrous so eh, I'm like okay yeah it's like a pretty good like in terms of tying it all up and like with a little bow like sure yeah it does its job something that's kind of interesting to think about too is um that we still have that question of castiel asking dean like do you truly not think you deserve to have been brought back to life yeah here we actually get to see like in person dean's survivor guilt yeah because at the end of day like he did enjoy doing it but he only had to do it because he's a victim much like the people who lived in the walls like they only became like this because they were a victim right whether they enjoyed it or not so i don't know i think it does build i don't know for me that's a really big statement in like that they made in season four episode one right and i always like seeing how it kind of pulls back to that and i think here it really does build upon that question i do do really like that that's fair yeah and lazarus rising we're sort of where castiel is at we're like what the fuck you don't think you deserve to be saved and like by the time we get here we're like okay I understand why you think that. Sweet baby angel, you are wrong. However, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you think you guys are ready for the fan fiction? I'm so ready for the fan fiction. So ready. So ready. I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to share this one with you. Um, This is one that I actually read very recently. I was like, you know what? I've read so much fluff and kid fic and getting together and finale fix-its. I need something fucked up. So I present to you something that's a little fucked up a lot of the time. This fic is called Renegade Atlas, and it was actually posted anonymously. The summary is, Dean did some things down there in the pit, horrible things that haunt him at night and remind him why he deserves to die. The scary part is that despite his best efforts at denial, he truly misses it down there. How he could bring souls to their knees with just a knife and a well-practiced flick of his wrist. But Castiel knows exactly what Dean is, imperfect, human, and beautiful, despite what he did in hell. So this one is rated E, and for the first time in a while, I am floating this out there, a fic that has uh, actual archive warnings on it, graphic depictions of violence and rape, 
the relationships here are Castiel and Dean, and there's some non-consensual stuff with Alistair as well. <clears throat> the characters are Dean, Cass, Sam, Alistair, Balthazar, Gabriel, Bobby Singer, Uriel, and Joe Harvell. The tags are all very fun. These are some fun, horrible tags. Insane Dean, violence, gore, explicit language, torture, thoughts of self-harm or suicide, angst, handprint kink, explicit sexual content, nightmares, blood play, knife play, dubious consent, hell, season four, season five, canon compliant, boys denying they're in love with each other, and finally, rimming. <laughs> wow. This was posted starting in 2012 and completed in 2013. It is around 85,000 words and has around 7,000 hits. So I think some of these uh, tags really worry people, which is like yeah. fair. There's some like intensely fucked up stuff in this. But like, I gotta say like, Ripley, I think you would actually enjoy this one a lot because it has like that season four, season five, like perpetually pissed off and like almost affronted kind of Castiel vibe going on. <laughs> like his voice in this is just so like abrasive and the prose is just beautiful. Even when it's being disgusting and violent, it's um, very, very well written. This is like one of my favorite aspects of season four. I want to know everything that happened to Dean in Hell. And you don't even have to tell me in the show. It can be like between, kind of we got a little bit in this episode, like between the lines. But I just love the idea of exploring this concept. Yeah, because I mean, it truly is hard to wrap your head around the idea of Hell. You know, like we can imagine what certain kinds of torture are like psychological physical and sexual but like you know an entire dimension devoted to torture <laughs> is a pretty insane huge concept for our tiny human brains to wrap yeah. around so I, I like that in this it like sort of gives you some snapshots of some really fucked up stuff and truly, truly, this one has some of the most fucked up hell memories slash flashbacks of any fanfic I have read. Um, <laughs> like, wow. Very disturbing stuff. So, yeah. Have fun. <laughs> There's also <laughs> rimming. Thanks. <laughs> All of our favorites. <laughs> Shall we rate the episode? Sure. I'll go first. I give it a... 0.5 out of five uh -huh. um, hand licks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I give it a 0.5 just for everything we learned about Dean and Hell and kind of starting the trajectory of kind of him living through that trauma a little bit. Um, but this episode really offended me by being super boring and like <laughs> I hate being bored. So that's why I give it a 0.5. <laughs> what about you, Ripley? I'm going to give it one flippant Sam out of five mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because there could have been potential there. But in the end, he just read it because he was bored. Womp womp. I'm going to give this one uh, one dead dog out of five because, like you said, Jordan, it is offensively boring while also sharing with us what should be some wildly interesting stuff about Dean and his uh, headspace right now. And I'm just, I feel very huffy about the final product. True, truly offended by these hints of interesting content in a complete stinker of an episode. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Very fair. <laughs> you you are right now the living embodiment of the of the huffing emoji. I can just see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it time for my predictions? I want to hear your predictions. All right. Okay. Predict away. I think I already gave a little bit of what I think is going to actually happen, and we're going to probably get another person as the monster. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not the person, but what they're doing as the monster. Because sometimes in these Monster of the Weeks, an action can be the monster, like the Wishing Well, I think, is an example. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to have that kind of, like, does the um, end just by the means, does your journey allow you... Is there grace that can be found in monstrosity? I think we're going to start to explore that a little bit more. You know, that is so eloquently said, Jordan. And I hope they do it really well, because I think they have a really good opportunity to do so Mm -hmm. this season. And um, especially with the inclusion of angels. So, like, we literally now have there being some kind of karmic force in this universe. Mm -hmm. Like, let us see it play out. When we have the idea of grace as a literal, like, thing that exists. <laughs> yeah. Not just a metaphysical concept, but, like... We have the personification. Right. Now, what I want, it's a little different. What I want, I want this show to really utilize its cast. hmm So what I... Like, Buffy. Buffy does so good at this. Like, Dean literally has somebody on the team who has gone through what he has gone through. Ruby... Right. Oh. oh, yeah. Like, we could have so many good interactions between Dean and Ruby. What if, what if, okay, hear me out. Okay, okay. So Sam has been running away with Ruby occasionally to do stuff behind Dean's back. What if Dean starts to backslide into what he was doing in hell? So he starts bringing Ruby on hunts and they start like Ooh. making the hunts really brutal and like going a little Ooh. too far. And Sam has to like pull him back because he's like regressing as a way to deal with his trauma. Holy shit, Jordan, your mind. Wouldn't that be so cool? Also, Ruby is such a good character. Use her. Where is she? Oh, Ruby! Where is right. she? <laughs> Bring back the Demon Bay. Right. Like, where are you? I love her and her little lisp. <laughs> more Ruby, more Castiel. Hell yeah. More Uriel. I think I'm starting to learn. I'm fine with Monster of the Week, but I think my bread and butter is more supernatural drama. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like, give me that main storyline. I want to know what happens. By the time right. I actually give it to you, you're like drooling for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, give me to me. <laughs> the chops are wet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice. Thank you for sharing what's going on inside of your big, beautiful brain. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Sioux City, Iowa. Bye. 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 <laughs> Ripley, are you going to say bye? <laughs> I, oh, I did. Oh, you did. Perfect. Okay, it just oh, didn't come through on our end, I guess. But it'll That's be so in funny. your recording. I was, like, literally sitting there like, mm, <laughs> <laughs> yep, I did.